So I have to confess to you that I had planned on preaching from Matthew 24 um, and studied pretty hard for it and just was not feeling it at all yesterday because it was feeling like I was teaching you um, a bit of a, I don't know, a history lesson and we're in the middle of making history. And uh, so um, after some prayer and some heart-searching this morning, I just want to, as your pastor, make a couple reflections on the vote. And a couple things that I feel like God has been saying to me over the last couple days, and I think he's been wanting me to say to you. And so, obviously, the vote is a very interesting time. My devotions, the day of the vote were very fascinating because my devotions from A.W. Tozer were on the importance of division, which I found very, very interesting. But the point that he was making is that he was concerned that in the process of, this would have been in the 60s, of people seeking unity, that the church was making compromises. And he didn't want there to be compromises. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Because I think that there is a sense that for you as believers, I know that you all took your right to vote incredibly seriously. You you voted the way you did out of conviction. And there was this sense that you knew that by voting the way you did, you weren't going to vote like other people. And the reality is, is there's no mandate in our country to lead because there is no unity in our country there is a huge divide between two groups of people that really think almost diametrically opposed to each other in many areas yes there's going to be areas that we can find compromise and we can find unity on but there's other areas that we're going to have to continue to stand against and stand so with that in mind uh, I, I came up with a couple things that I thought I should say today. And the first one is to be still. In Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A lot of us like to be in safe places and feel like we're living in a safe time, but the reality is that God will always be our only refuge. There are going to be times that it's not going to work out. Uh, I, I prayed for the safety of our dear friends, the Lalans, but God loves them so very much that no matter what happens, He's still God, right? Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge. It goes on and says, Therefore I will not fear, even though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Some of the things that we're having as discussions in our country, I would never have imagined that that would be a discussion even 10 years ago. Some of the things that all of a sudden we're trying to normalize just still don't seem normal to me. And the reason they don't seem normal to me isn't because, it's because I I have this thing that tells me what is normal. And there are certain things that people are trying to say that are normal today that are not normal. 
And there are times that I feel like the whole world is just falling apart. He goes on and says this, The nations raise, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. I skipped right to verse 10 because this is, this is really my life verse and, and I feel like it's important at this time. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. This is a moment where we have to be still a little bit. Because some of this we have no control over whatsoever. And God is calling us to be still because He is the one that's going to expose things. Years ago, people thought that Nixon was going to get away with something, right? Did he? No. Why? Because God exposes truth. And if there are problems with today's election, we need to pray that the God of heaven will expose those things Because we live in this world so filled with controversy, so filled with conspiracy, that there is so much Kool-Aid to drink that we need to be still and know that He is God because He is our truth. And He is the one that we should stand on. And so even though there are things about this that are incredibly frustrating, we need to remember that God is God. He didn't take the day off, the day of the election. He wasn't sleeping when people were voting early. He actually knows what goes on at the post office. He is God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so, brothers and sisters, the first thing that I tell you today is that we need to be still and trust that God is still very much in control. Are there things that we should be concerned about? Probably. Are there things going on that might be not right? Most likely. Should that surprise us? No. Sin is touches even the election. But God is God and He's in control. And that's the first thing that I think we need to say. And speaking of being in control, this is what he says in Romans. He says, I, And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. There is nothing that's going to take place that isn't somehow according to God's purpose. And it's interesting because he personalizes this in the next two verses, and he goes on and he says this, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And to those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so the circumstances we're going through as a country, God has personalized so that you can be perfect and complete and lack nothing. That is just absolutely amazing to me. I remember years ago, my grandma Koenig was not doing well. The nursing home called my uncle and asked him for us all to write letters to Grandma saying it's okay for her to go to heaven. 
and I ask God, why are you not sending grandma to heaven? He says, well, there's a couple things you need to learn before she can leave. And I was like, I am the one standing in the way of this? But God is personalizing an experience for each one of us and that we need to know that even though things might not always work out the way we prefer and even though things might be different than we thought they would be or maybe they're exactly the way we wanted them to be. I don't know where you stand on some of these things. But this is the reality that God is in control and He is going to use these circumstances to form us in ways that are very important. I, I woke up this morning and my thought was the nations are raging. And so I googled that. And it came up with Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, this is one of those times that Paul, that, that um, Peter and John are coming back into a prayer meeting after they've been released from prison. And they are being persecuted. And some of us have feared that. I tell you what, I've thought that persecution is coming to our country, and here's the main reason why. Because they have been legislating away sin, and that does not work for the Holy Spirit really well. And so even though they voted it out, said this isn't sin anymore, this is all the normal new activity, uh, we're going to define ourselves in ways that you never even imagined. You know, as, as adults, I never thought that I would ever want it to be defined by the things I do in the privacy of my bedroom. But there is a whole group of people that want to be defined that way, don't they? We live in a very interesting time. And they were going through persecution at that time. And they went to a prayer time. And in the prayer time, this is what they wanted more than anything. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I don't want our witness to change. Because the reality is that people are dying every day and they're going to hell every day. And we need everyone to have an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. And many of us have the opportunity to share that with other people. I had a pastor call me this week and he was discouraged. And he says, how do you stay encouraged? And I looked in my office and I saw two pictures in my office. One's of Justin and Carrie. Carrie came from a very non-Christian family. Didn't know anything and really had never gone to church. But when she was a freshman in high school, she thought Justin was kind of cute. And so Justin invited her to an outreach that we had as a youth group. And Carrie got saved. And she got gloriously saved. You know, she, she was that kind of kid when they get saved, they all of a sudden are going up to their cheerleading coach and saying, you know, I go to church on Sundays. And you have a practice planned. And so don't expect me to be there. You know, that, that was Carrie. But the thing that's unique about that picture is that not only did Justin see Carrie come to the Lord, but Justin's mother, Alice, had prayed that he would someday have a godly wife. And guess who he married? Carrie. 
married Carrie and they have kids. And, and every once in a while, when days are hard, I'll look up and I go, see, God, everything I believe in is true because of the transformation that's there. Then there's the picture with my two pastors in it. They were my interns in my years in Indiana. And now one of them is a church planner in Pittsburgh. Is in seminary getting ready to go back into the ministry. And I, I watch God transform these churchy kids into kids that absolutely loved Him. And they are staying on mission. And we need to stay on mission because you know what? There's a lot more carries out there. And some of those carries are in your own families. And even though these are frustrating times, and even though we have lost some of our favor as Christians, and it's not as cool to be Christian as maybe it once was, who cares? Because we're as saved as we were when we were uncool, right? And the favor of man is not as important as the favor of God. But God is calling us to stay on mission. He's also calling us to something interesting. And you're going to say, but you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, and I'm not. I'm not talking about living at unity with the world here. I'm talking about the body of Christ that is becoming divided because sometimes our politics raises up above in an ugly way above our love of Jesus Christ and our love of our brothers. And that doesn't mean we don't have some hard conversations coming. This community has some hard conversations coming because there are people that are beginning to disregard the Word of God and what it says is truth and still share the banner of the name that we share. But there is a reality is that not all everybody in this room voted the same way. And we're not trying to create two different churches. There's a reason we were called Southern Baptists, and it's a sad reason. Because they broke from the north, and they were willing to be divided over a political issue. And I don't need all of a sudden for you to come in and have one group of people that sits to the right and another that sits to the left, depending upon where you land politically. In the same way, I'm glad that we've moved beyond the Amish experience where all the women sit on one side and the men sit on the other. But this is what God's Word says. It says in Galatians, for many of you were baptized into Christ, have been put on Christ. It goes on and says this, there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Add all the new categories of today. I know it's going to affect how the world feels about us because we have things that we have to stand for that they can't stand at all. But inside the four walls of this church, we're going to have hard conversations and we're going to stay at unity with one another. Amen? Because we are God's people. That doesn't mean that we're going to shy away from those conversations. One of the things that I love about being here in the, in the New York area is that we shoot a lot greater than we did going home. 
you know, at home, you know, if my uncle had an opinion, he'd talk about it in third person. I'd say, hey, what do, what do you think of this? Well, you know, a guy could, he'd never tell me exactly what he thought. I never have that problem here. From day one, when I'd say, hey, what do you think of this? Some of you'd go, no way. Where are you from? You're not from here. That doesn't work here. You know? And there's been an honesty that we have been able to share. But I want there to be unity. I don't want it to become a one-party church. Because there are reasons why some people, even though they love the Lord, there's a different part of the platform that they love. And so sometimes we look divided even though we're not. So I know that it's got to look different outside there. You know, years ago I worked for a pastor and we got voted on every year. And he got a vote one year where he only got 51%. And he says, I have a mandate to lead because I have a majority. And I'm like, well, there's 49 people probably saying different. And we live in a very divided country, don't we? I'm surprised at how close the election is in so many different places. But God has called us to that. One more thing. We need to pray. And some of you are saying, well, I did pray. I prayed a lot. Well, you need to keep praying. And some of the more important prayers are going to be the prayers that you pray where the Spirit speaks for us because you just aren't sure what to pray at this moment. Isn't that great? I, I, I have friends like that, don't you? I have certain friends when I get together with them, I can just look at them and I can huff a little bit or something and they'll go, I know, me too. But isn't it great that the Spirit will speak for us? When, when Philip was little, he didn't have to talk as much because grace would speak for him. She was the Holy Spirit in his life that would interpret what was going on for us to the rest of us. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Isn't that wonderful? In a world where we are so often misunderstood, isn't it nice to know that the Spirit is making sure we are always understood? Because see, the chaos that we live out out there, we can decide that same chaos exists in our spiritual life. We can impose what's happening out there into here. And when we do that, we end up believing a lie. Because that's not what it's like in a relationship with God. He goes, and he searches the hearts of those and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I hate to say this, but some of my best days were my hardest days. Where God chose to mold me and reshape me in a way that I would have never been shaped and molded in my fun, easy days. I have no idea where we're headed. There are things that just kind of give me alarm. Did you know that the church has a large reserve for the first time in, since I've ever been the pastor here? And all I can ask is this. God, why is that there? What are you preparing us for? 
You know, I, there's the obvious material needs like the roof that's going on at the, the, the ministry house and the roof that probably we need to put on this place. And, you know, there's the material needs that you see around you. Your generosity has made the uh, ability to have things like the live stream very simple because we've been both had people that had the expertise, but we've also had the finances to be able to, to make the adjustments so that we can do those things. But what are you doing, God? And how do we prepare? How, how is this supposed to look? In fact, it also says this about prayer. Doesn't it says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about who's in charge of politics. Don't be anxious about the thing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to the Lord. You know, this is the one thing people can't fight. You know? Have you ever had people tell you that you can't do certain things? I have. I've even worked for pastors that tell me that. But they couldn't affect my prayer life. And so there is this sense that there is a lot of things that we need to talk to the Lord about. But I think that sometimes in the middle of life, it's so much easier to talk to someone else about it. One of my dearest friends in Indiana is super into politics. And occasionally I'll call him up because I just love to hear what's going on in his head. But sometimes I forget to have that same conversation with the Lord. I have it with Jim, but I forget to have it with the Lord. And so God has called us to pray. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what? Most of us as Christians should even be having a different COVID experience in the world because we don't have to live in fear, do we? Often people ask me, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm a little tired, but I'm very much at peace. That's probably the way we should live most of life. Just a little tired, but mostly at peace. And so as I think about this election, I think of these things that God has said to me, and so I'm saying them to you. First of all, be still. Okay? That's hard for some of us. The idea of being still is really hard. Our motor is always running. Some part of our body has to be moving. So our minds are always thinking. But God is calling us to a stillness. To remember that more important than anything is knowing that He is God. That's, that's, one of, that's our core value. Under read and pray, the whole goal is know. Because of what Jesus prayed for us in John 17, 3. He said, I pray that you would know me. And for some of you in this room, you have not crossed the line yet. You, you like Christian people. You like, you like hanging around the atmosphere. But you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus yet. Maybe you've been watching us online. And you, you have a curiosity about these things. The reality is, is you have a decision to make. And that decision is whether or not Jesus Christ is going to be the Lord of your life. But more importantly, whether He's going to be the Savior of your life. And so you have to admit something pretty hard. Which is, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Which is against a lot of what the world is saying to us. Because the world is trying to say, is, we're all just okay. The Word of God says, nobody's okay. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. 
but then it says this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so you have a decision to make. Will you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Because it's not your politics that makes you a Christian. It's not the building you sit in or even the books you read. What makes you a Christian is that you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. If you have not done that, I encourage you to do that. But for the rest of us, we need to hear these things. Be still. I am in control. Stay on mission. People's eternal salvation is more important than politics. I'm not saying that politics isn't important. I'm not saying that God isn't calling us to be kingdom builders here. But I'm saying their eternal salvation is of utmost importance. Live in unity as the body of Christ. Realizing that occasionally what we stand for, the world isn't going to like. In fact, there's other believers that aren't going to like what we believe. Because they've taken a different view. There's this no whole new progressive ring that is coming to the church really strongly right now. And they believe that the Word of God maybe is changing. And that some of the things that used to be seen as taboos and sin no longer are. That maybe over 2,000 years we've gotten it wrong. And it's the same thing that Paul and Peter were fighting. These men that had this extra knowledge. That thought they understood better. So we're going to explain things to you. We don't need people to explain stuff to us. Because we have the Word of God. And so we're going to live in unity as Bible-believing people. And we're going to pray as never before. Because that's what God called us to do. He called us in, in, in Romans chapter 12 to pray for our leaders. To pray for those people. Even if we didn't vote for them. Even if we don't particularly like them. Even if we find them an embarrassment, we have to pray for them. Because none of them are there except for one reason. God put them there. And where they get it wrong is when they decide that part. You haven't heard me criticize Como many times, but when Como said, we're fighting, we're fighting COVID and we're doing a good job and it has nothing to do with God helping us or not, I was like, you are in trouble, buddy. We can't talk that way. Scripture makes that clear. So I, I know that there's angst. I know there's still fights to fight. I know that some of my heroes of the faith that live today are making some strong statements that I don't even completely understand all of. But as a Bible-believing American citizen, I'm going to be still. I'm going to remember that God is in control. I'm going to stay on mission. I'm going to live in unity. And I'm going to keep praying. Dear God, this isn't the first time that we have been brought to our knees as a country. 
I remember the key to 1973 when they took if my people which were called by my name and they used that as a key verse in 1973 here we are in 2020 and we're in a very divided country we're in a country where some things make no common sense at all and yet we're asking that you would raise up leaders and that you wouldn't be just glorified in the four walls of our churches, but you would be glorified in the state houses, in the Capitol buildings, in the White House, in the Supreme Court. God, we want you to roll back those things would we know that there's sin and the world has decided that they're not but more important than having a Christian nation God we are going to stay on mission because we want to be a Christian people God everywhere we listen there is a raising of fear and yet we're going to be at peace because we pray and that you are our refuge and our strength God, today is actually International Prayer Day for the persecuted church. And so when we look at some of the things that we face, they pale in comparison to the martyrs that are dying for their faith around the world today. And God, we know that you are coming back soon, and yet we pray that you would take care of people in the midst of that. God, that we would have a heart to understand what is going on around us. That we could understand how you're working in the midst of this insanity. And that you are the great God of heaven. And so, God, we recommit ourselves today to the mission. We recommit ourselves to an intimate relationship of deep prayer with you. And we pray, God that you would somehow bless this country we live in. We love you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. And so it's not about red or blue anymore. The only red that's the greatest concern to us is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, right? And we love being God's people. And so there are so many things to divide us in this world that we live in today, but we are going to arm in arm, six feet apart, (laughs) be God's people in the midst of this time. May God bless you with a deep and meaningful peace. May he give you deeper conviction every day. And may you be known is active people who deeply love him. And may you stand up to the lack of favor that some give you, knowing the great favor you have in your God. God bless you. Have a great day.